Hello, Ridge family. It's good to be with you this morning. If you will join with me in reading this morning's scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6 through 19. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching, yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say, the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words, with my mind, so that I may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Let's pray together, church, this morning as we're gathered together in our homes. Let's now pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. Lord, we need you during this time. It's a unique time. It's a time that we've never experienced before. And during this time, Lord, we need your nearness. We need your presence. Scripture tells us that your nearness to us is good. God, help us not to worry during this time. There's so much going on, so many things changing from hour to hour. Lord, help us not to be anxious. Help us not to be afraid. Lord, we this morning want to pray for the sick. God, we want to pray for those who are grieving this morning, Aaron Moss with the passing of his grandfather this past week. God, we lift him, Jessica, lift the boys up this morning and his whole family. Lord, we want to pray for our leaders across the nation, across the state, our local leaders. Father, be with them. Give them clarity. God, give them wisdom during this time. Lord, be with our school leaders, for our school administration, our, our teachers. Lord, I know some are back, some are um, getting ready to come off spring break and, and go into uh, something that's so brand new to them. And I know some of them are, are, are feeling the burden of that and, and the burden of the education of students. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you. Lord, we do pray for our children and our students, Lord. Um, God, it's hard on them not to be able to 
to go where they want to go, maybe like normal, and, and Lord, it, it can be tough. Uh, Lord, we pray for parents. We pray for homes and families and marriages, Lord. We pray during this time you would strengthen them. And Father, be our help. Lord, now as we turn to your word, we pray as the psalmist says in Psalm 119. May your word, which endures forever, may my eyes be open to that. May I behold wonderful things from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, even though we're at a distance, um, we want to continue to stay connected. And this morning is, is one way to do that as we gather together around God's word during this time as we look at 1 Corinthians 14 this morning. Our world is made up of such diverse cultures. Each culture is made up of languages, different foods, different traditions, even different beliefs. But over the last few weeks, the coronavirus has caused and has continued to cause a connection through the suffering and even grief that people are experiencing. Globally, we have been connected through inconveniences, through isolation, suffering during this time. And today, our scripture text, we find a word that is common. It's common to many languages. It crosses culture. It is the same word or close to the same word, whether you are praying with a group of Christians who speak Chinese or maybe Russian or maybe even French or even an African language. It is the word amen or amen. This one word brings to every culture a vision of God and the world. This word means so much as it has been passed down for thousands of years from the Israelites in the Old Testament to even the church culture in Corinth, as we're going to read about today, which we read about uh, here in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. It's even passed down to our culture as well. What does amen mean? Historically, amen was typically used in the closing of Jewish prayers and used by ancient Israelites to express affirmation or agreement to what was being spoken, even prayed or even sung in a song. In the church I grew up at, I remember uh, a man in our congregation, he would always sit stage right, always on the second row, and uh, I remember as a young kid hearing this gentleman say amen. And he would say it often uh, during the service. I re remember even as a, a student uh, sometimes counting how many amens he would say during the service. And then I remember after being called to ministry, uh, I got to preach in my home church. And I'll never forget the first time I preached. And I'll never forget that first amen that came from the voice of Mickey. It, it was quite amazing. Uh, but Mickey would say amen during sermons, during prayers, and during songs. Amen means so it is, or let it be. It's the audible approval in corporate worship from the believers who agree with what is being said. And so as we look at our text today, I want us to see the context here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. Paul has been dealing with the topic of spiritual gifts he says to every believer in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, Christians have been given different gifts by the Spirit for the glory of God and also to help others. 
for their spiritual good and even their physical good as well. Last week, we heard from Pastor David as he spoke about the spiritual gift of prophecy. And prophecy is the imparting of the purpose of God in our current situation. It deals with the heart. It's a timely word of God's truth. In today's text, Paul moves his focus, though. He moves it to focus on speaking in tongues. He moves it to focus on how our language, whether in a sermon, a Bible study, in a prayer, or even songs that are sung, that our language would have a clear purpose. In fact, our language, our teaching, our songs, and our prayers should produce an amen, an amen from the congregation, from the hearers that are present. In Corinth, speaking in tongues was abused by the church there. The Christians were not benefiting from the corporate gatherings, the teaching, the prayers, because it was com- what was coming out of their mouths was not producing what God wanted it to. It was failing to accomplish God's purpose. And so this morning, I want us to see how, as we look again at the text that we read, in verse 6, it says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or prophecy or of teaching, yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or of the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian or a foreigner. And the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Paul says that no tongue or language is useful or profitable to others if you cannot understand it. There must be someone there to translate, interpret, or it is useless. Just like musical instruments are to make sounds that make sense and are to create something beautiful, how much more should our human speech especially when it deals with the things of God, be. If the language or tongue is not known or understood to the hearer, it is barbaric, he says. It literally is uh, uh, foreign. And the purpose of every language is to communicate. It's not to impress and certainly not to confuse. In fact, as we've seen in Acts chapter 2, verse 6, on the day of Pentecost, as the apostles spoke, the people present that day heard the apostles speaking in their own very language. The true gifts of tongues was never this unintelligible gibberish. So what's the goal? What's the goal of tongues? What's the goal of languages? What's the goal of our words? And so listen to chapter 14, verse 12 in our text today. It says, So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Our spiritual gifts have the main goal of edifying the church. To edify means to strengthen one another. And specifically here, it's the idea of seeking to promote growth of another Christian in wisdom, in joy, in holiness, or the building up of another in the things of God. And so our words are to build one another up. 
Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will, be, it will give grace to those who hear. This is for all of us. For everyday living, how we talk to one another, it matters. Even in our homes. I imagine during this season, there's been some tension in the homes. There's been some tough times. How do we talk to one another as a family? How do we talk to one another as brothers and sisters? But Paul right here is especially talking about our corporate gatherings. Our corporate gatherings as the church, whether it's an in-public or online worship gathering, whether it's an in-public or online life group gathering, whether it's an in-public or online Bible study, the goal of our words is to edify. That is our goal as elders, as the staff here at the Ridge during this season that we are in. We want to do all that we can through what the Holy Spirit has gifted us with to glorify God and to build you up, to encourage you, to promote your growth and wisdom, joy, and holiness during this time. We want to give you something to say amen to, for this is the response of those edified and built up. So what are our words to communicate for that to take place, for one to say amen to? Well, down in verse 13, it tells us through 19, Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul is saying something that is way more important than speaking in tongues. He is saying that edification comes not by amazement at miracles or a miraculous speech, but edification comes by the understanding of God. In verse 16, Paul says, If you only speak, pray, or sing in a tongue that is not understood, or if it just impresses others, what is the benefit to the ungifted, those who do not understand the language, or those who lack understanding about the things of God? How can they respond with Amen. How can they be edified? That's why Paul says in verse 19 that five, unintel- five intelligible words that help you understand God are, are far better than 10,000 unintelligible words that just simply make you amazed or make you impressed. This is why what went on during the corporate gatherings was so important to Paul. Public speaking, teaching, preaching, it all matters. Public prayer, it matters. Public singing, it matters. Whether in person or online like this morning, they need to be understandable so others can say amen, so others can be edified. One might say this morning, why do I care if others say amen to my preaching or to my prayers? And Paul is saying this is not about a a personal taste or a personal style or if you liked something that someone said, but he's also saying it's not just about this isolated or or private hearing and and learning. 
But instead, Paul has the body in mind, the local body, uh, the community of believers in mind. Not just one part, but the many. And he wants an echo of amen. Amen is full of importance. It's full of meaning and power. And so what is the great importance of amen? In fact, in the Old Testament, amen was mainly a congregational response to give strong affirmation or agreement to a couple of things. On one occasion, even to a curse. In fact, in Deuteronomy 27, verse 16, cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say amen. Then also, it was to give a strong affirmation or agreement to a word of praise to God. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 through 6, Ezra opened up the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, saying, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Amen meant yes. We agree with your blessing. We join in your blessing. All you have said about the greatness of God, we echo with our amen. Amen meant true, firm, and reliable is what you have said about the greatness of God. And so what else does amen mean? It means a lot. Amen was the response to the worship of God. In fact, in Psalm 72, verse 19, the psalmist says, Blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. A double amen. Psalm 106, 48. It says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. And let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. When we hear God worship, we want to enter into the worshiping of God. We want to be a part of the exaltation of God. We do that with amen. That is why we want to be at worship gatherings on Sunday and other opportunities we have to join others in worshiping God. That's why we gathered in our homes this morning. It's because we wanted to join together in worship. So amen is a response to the worship of God. But not only that, we have next our clearest and deepest meaning of amen. And it's this, that Christ, Jesus Christ is God's amen. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For as many as are the promises of God in him, Jesus, they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Christ is God's yes to all the promises of God in the Bible. Christ is God's amen to all that God has spoken. Christ affirms the promises of God and even secures God's promises by his very blood. What are some promises of God this morning? I know that maybe you can reflect and think of some, but I'm reminded of Psalm 23, 6 that says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. You see, there is no longer any obstacle to that promise, to God's goodness, to his mercy. There's no obstacle to God doing that, to following us with his goodness and mercy. Why? Because it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that he made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, Jesus has put his righteousness on us. 
and therefore the promises of God belong to us. Hebrews 13.5 is a quotation of Deuteronomy 31 and also Joshua 1. It says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. You see, Jesus is God's yes to that promise. Jesus is God's yes to all the promises that we find in the word of God. So for his namesake, you will get God's promises if you trust in Jesus Christ. We say amen to the glory of God through Jesus when we hear the promises of God preached or when prayers are prayed or when songs are sung together, longing for the promises of God to be fulfilled. According to Paul, the reason we can is because Christ has said amen to us. You see, he is God's amen to us. God says amen through Christ in the cross, and we respond with amen to God through Christ in preaching, in prayer, in singing. And this is the sweet blessing of the corporate gathering of the church that Paul so longed for. Amen is also this. It is what we say to Jesus coming back. Amen is our expression of hope. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even though those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Christ is coming. Everyone will see him. And the response of believers is, yes, amen. Let it be. Revelation 22.20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen is the expression of the longing in our heart to see our Savior and our Lord face to face, to be with him to, uh, forever, to experience the new heavens and the new earth, when all that is wrong will be made right, when there will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more viruses like the coronavirus, but instead the endless joy of exalting and enjoying God forever with Christians from every tribe, every tongue, every culture. You see this morning, the word amen is significant. It's full of meaning. We need honest, heartfelt expressions of yes and amen to the worship of God, to God's promises, to the return of Jesus Christ. Our words as his people, they matter. I pray that our words would edify one another. I pray that the teaching this morning would edify you. I, I pray that the songs that John and Matt led us in would edify you, and they would lead to the echo of amen. I was encouraged this week by a quote from a gentleman by the name of Steve, Steve Larmy, who serves in Africa. Steve says this, he says, in this time of social distancing, let's close the distance between God and us. Let's reach out to him. Let's grab hold of him. Let's be closer to him than ever before. And in this closeness to Jesus, we will miraculously be bound and brought close to each other, even in this time of isolation. May it be so, and amen. Before we close our time today, have you ever said yes to Jesus? If not, why wait? Romans 10, 9 says this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Say yes to Jesus today. 
Say amen to all that Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection for you. Today, if you do trust in Jesus, if you believe in him as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear back from you. Down in our comment section, you, you will see a little note on how you can respond back to us and share with us that you have responded to Christ today. Church family, it's great to be with you this morning. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you as you exalt him. Amen.